Uh, one quick thing uh, that I just was thinking about this um, this week. Um, crazy week in a lot of ways. Had a big national election and the COVID stuff's ramping up again. And I was like, I wonder what God would say to his people um, just in all this. And I think he'd turn to uh, the author of Hebrews and say, why don't you... Uh, read us something you wrote in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where he told us that since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run that race with endurance, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So I, did, I casted my vote on Tuesday. I did my due diligence on that. I'm trying to do the things I'm supposed to do with COVID. But here's the reality. I think globally, but I think we're called to, to act locally. And my life is still focused on Jesus, and that's what I'm about. And I'm going to keep serving him this week and next week and from here on out. And I really believe as a body that's what we're called to primarily. So let us continue to be that non-anxious presence that our culture so desperately needs right now of people who are rooted and grounded in something much deeper than what's going on around us with, with, uh, with health or politics or whatever, that we're connected to something else and that we are not shaken by the things that happen around us. So just my, my, my few thoughts on that. Um, a guy named Plautus, he was a Greek dude who lived 200 years before Jesus. He, he's, he wrote this, the gods confound... I want that the gods would confound the man who first found out how to distinguish ours. Confound him too, who in this place first set up a sundial to cut and hack my days so wretchedly into small portions. I love that quote. And so we are continuing today. That introduces this series on stewardship called Entrusted. Today we're going to focus on time. On time. If you were not here last week, we have these postcards that Lisa made. And she's very gifted and uses her talent in this that we'd like everybody to have. We've got plenty. Stick it in your Bible. Just a reminder that we are stewards of our lives to God. And it has the, the key scripture and the principles on it. If you're a note taker, we've got these out on the sheet. So feel free to do that um, as you follow along. So I want to start with the six principles that we talked about last week. But I want to apply them specifically to time. And so here are those six principles just as a reminder to us. That number one, my time is from God and it belongs to God. That my life and my time are a good gift from God's good hand. And therefore, I'm a steward of my time. All of it. All of it. As a steward, I should use my time in a responsible manner, faithfully administering it for his purposes and his glory. That I'm accountable to God for the ways in which I steward my time. And finally, it is only right that I gladly return a portion of my time to God and to his work out of gratitude for all that he has done for me. I took the definition we used last week and I tweaked it for time. So a steward is a person who's been entrusted with their time and given the responsibility to manage that time according to the owner's, to God's, his vision, his values, and his desire. That I'm the steward my time how he wants me to. And so good stewardship then is the careful, responsible management of the time, of my time that's been entrusted into my care. So this week, man, this one's been, uh, this has been an interesting week. You know, anytime I preach on a subject, it always seems like my week 
is God teaching me more about that thing through the week? And so this week was about time, and sure enough, I had a lot to learn about time <laughs> this week. Um, but as I walked walk through this, I really came to the conviction that we want a biblical understanding and approach to time, and I think this requires two things. If we want a biblical understanding and approach to time, we need to have a right perspective, and we've got to have a right practice, right perspective and right practice. And with the right perspective, to me, this is all about my head and my heart. Not only that I understand how God views time, but I value that, that that gets into my gut, that I look at time the way he does. And then it gets into my practice. This is all about my hands, that I live out what I believe and what I value about time. So for right perspective, and I'm going to tell you, the Bible doesn't say a ton about time. But there were two main texts that, to me that I went to. One was Psalm 90, the oldest psalm written by Moses. And then we're going to get to Ephesians to talk about right practice. But under right perspective, here's what he wrote. Moses wrote in Psalm 90, 12. He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So number our days. Teach us. Lord, teach us this skill. And two verses above, he gave us some help in learning how to do that, where he said in Psalm 90, verse 10, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. So I think contained in these two verses is all we need to gain the wisdom that we need regarding our time. And as I was looking through this, Psalm 90, there were four things that really stood out to me about my perspective that I need to have in relation to time. And to be honest, I think to really grab these truths, these ideas, it takes a lot of honesty and humility. Um, I think the older you get and the less time you have, the more honest and humble you need to be with this. Or It was just, honest, it was just humble for me even to think about these things. But the, the four things I see, first is, is that time is finite. There's a limited supply. Um, in Psalm 90.10, it starts, our days may come to 70 years, maybe 80 if our strength endures, but the fact is, is our time is limited. 79 years is the average right now in America. That's all I've got. That's how many days, hours, minutes, two and a half billion seconds. I can't even imagine that. But the reality is time is limited, and I can't borrow. Like if I, I, I can't take somebody else's time and add it to mine, I can't buy more time. It's limited, and once I've lost it, it's gone. Never to be had again, never to be regained. The second thing I see is the Moses says, time flies. If you look at that Psalm 90, verse 10, that phrase where he says, they are speaking of our years, they quickly pass. They quickly pass. How time flies. James 5.14 says, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. It wasn't a Friday morning that we had fog here. We had the, the layer of mist in the morning, and at some point I looked outside and it was gone as the sun came out. And that's what our life is like. It's, it's here and then it's gone so quickly. Um, I think the older you get, the more and more you have a sense of how time flies. It just flies faster and faster. It seems like yesterday I got married. It seems like half a day ago had our children. And here we have a grandchild. And I can't even believe the time has flown so fast. So whether you're old or young, I mean, I think you have a sense of this, but trust me, the older you get, the more you feel how fast time flies. The third thing kind of related to this that I don't really see in the text, but as I thought about it, um, time is limited and it goes fast, but the fact is we're losing time. 
even as we sit here, right? The clock is ticking, and I think we all feel that steady march of time, that sad thing of knowing that when you've lost some time that you can never get it back. You lose a house, you can get a house back. You lose some money, you can get money back. But you lose your time, you can never get your time back. When it's gone, it's gone forever. And that is very sobering. Fourth thing in this text that is clear, that we will one day run out of time. It's finite, it's going fast. Um, that we're losing time and that one day it will run out. We'll all stand at death's door. And that's why Psalm 90 verse 10, it ends when he talks about our years, they quickly pass and then we fly away. We come to the point that we meet our maker and our days on earth are done. So I think we take Moses seriously. We need to. We need to number our days because the reality is our days are numbered. We need to number our days because they're numbered. How much do we have left? I don't know. How much do I have left? Nobody knows, right? There is a website called the Death Clock. If you want to find out, you can get on there, and they, they make a stab at it. Tiger Woods has a little while to go. Tom Hanks, only 10 more years, and he's gone. Arnold, somebody needs to tell Arnold, he's got like six months to live. <laughs> I put in my birth date, and wow, November, that's probably going to be Thanksgiving Day, November 26th, 2037. I only have, you know, 538 million seconds of my life yet to invest. So I think when we realize all of this, that time is finite, that it's limited, that um, I forget all these off the top of my head, that time is flying, that we're losing time as even as we are here and that our time is numbered, all of that should make us this sentence at the bottom to, to really the perspective, right perspective to me is that our time is limited and therefore it's precious. We need to see our time as precious. And as I've thought about time, um, stewarding it, of these three things, I think time is the hardest one to steward well. This last, I think February, I was in a thing called a journey, I mean, a journey of generosity. And in that group, we were talking a lot about talent, but the, I mean, treasure, but the idea came up of just all we steward. And I remember somebody in that group said, I don't know about you, but I find that time is the hardest thing for me to be generous with, to give away. Just about a month ago in a staff meeting, Lisa Hubner said that very thing, that it's easier in some things to steward well, but time is so easy for me to want to control. Um, it's difficult to steward well. I mean, is there anything harder to steward well than your time? There never seems to be enough time. Don't you always feel that way? I mean, there's only 60 minutes in an hour, and I could go through all this, 43,200 minutes a month. It's limited, and I feel like that we just, there's just this sense like I don't have enough time, and so I've got to cling to my time. And so I really feel like that it is so easy in time to slip from a manager's mindset to an owner's mindset. I know it is for me. It is so easy for me to slip there. Um, as I said last week, Everything in our society is screaming at us to be consumers and so to use my time for my own self. Everything inside of me, my sinful flesh, not everything, I've got the spirit in there who's warring against him, but that sinful flesh, that sinful self is, is crying out to be in total control of my time. Um, everything, it, it seems like so much is working against me stewarding my time well. 
And as I said last week, when I become the owner of anything, my time, my talent, my treasure, two things inevitably happen. I begin to hoard that thing, and I begin to squander it. I hoard it, and I squander it. Kind of a, that's kind of an irony, isn't it? That I'm trying to hoard it, but I end up just squandering a lot of it. And it's that way with time. Hoard my time, I consume it upon myself, or I start squandering it, wasting it, just letting it slip away. I was curious how the average American spends their time, and so I found a website. We're in bed 33 years of our life. Can you imagine that? 26 sleeping, 7 trying to sleep. I think I did all the 26 sleeping the first part of my life. I'm now in the stage where I'm starting to get, get, I'm starting to get a lot of traction on these, these trying to sleep. It is crazy. Uh, work, 13 years. Eating, 4.5. Exercising, 1.5. Waiting in line, five years. Oh my gosh, how many of you hate waiting in lines? I'm a, I'm a, I, I hate waiting in lines. Or look at, uh, you know, stop, sitting at a stoplight. Six months of my life is sitting at a stoplight. Opening junk mail, eight months. I think taking all the political ads that come and throwing them in the trash can, six months of your life. That's what I feel like with that. Getting ready. Men spend 46 days of their life getting ready. Anybody want to guess how many days of their life women spend? 2,000, 136, and then somebody shot her first service. Well, it depends on the woman, depends on the woman. So, I mean, that's true with all of us. This one was shocking. The average American now, screen time, like for the young generation who's growing up with not just television, but a phone and a computer all the time, 13 years of their life, 13 years, screen time, six and a half hours a day, a day is the is right now the average American spends looking at their phone for something. It went up 1.2 hours from last year. Reading the Bible, 70 days. Isn't that sad? 70 days. The word of life, my daily bread. Which, by the way, is one of the reasons next year we as a church are going to read through the New Testament together. We're going to preach through the New Testament and we're working on a plan. We're going to unveil some more next week, encouraging people to get in the New Testament in the Word of God daily next year with a couple of other people. Um, but we'll tell you more about that. So because of all these reasons, to me, um, having this right perspective, knowing how easy it is to hoard and to waste my time to be the owner, we really need a right perspective. And to move us in that right perspective I go to Paul, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 16. Classic passage on time. This is the NIV, but I've thrown in a King James version, a few words. And I'll get to the reason why in a minute. And here Paul says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Redeeming the time. Now, before I get into this text deeply, I've got to share with you that there are two Greek words for time. There's the Greek word chronos, where we get our word chronology, and the Greek word kairos. Chronos and kairos. Chronos is clock time. Kairos is the right time. Chronos is seconds. Kairos is a season. Chronos is quantity of time. And kairos is quality of time. We measure chronos in seconds, but we measure kairos in significance. Chronos is measured by clocks and calendars, but kairos is measured 
by opportunities. If I were to kind of show you what life looks like, chronos is all those seconds and minutes of our life that tick off. Kairos are moments where God comes and wants to step into our life and offers an opportunity. And I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but it is really easy to get so focused on our chronos that we totally miss the kairos moments that God wants to bring into our lives. Let me say a few more things about kairos. We don't even have a word similar in English that we translate from that. It comes from the Greek word kara initially, which meant head, and so it refers to things coming to a head. So kairos time is an opportune moment. It's the right time. It's the crucial time. It's the decisive moment. It's that moment of truth. It's the time to strike, the appointed time. Kairos is the due season. William Shakespeare wrote, there's a tide in the affairs of men. And when he talked about a tide in the affairs of men, he was talking about kairos time. Kairos time is God-ordained time when he moves and when he acts. It's a moment where we can actually glimpse God at work in our life. It's an open door, a door of opportunity that he gives, an opportunity to be seized. That's the intent of Kairos time. A moment where if we act, that moment can change the future in my life or somebody else's life or in a whole community's life. My father, when he got diagnosed with cancer, I drove out to Hayes to see him, met him in the hospital. He was getting tests to see how bad it was. He was in the bed and I sat down beside him. And he said to me, where do you think I'm going? That's a Kairos moment. That's a Kairos moment. That's a God-given moment, an opportunity to speak. If you've ever had a neighbor or coworker ever share to you, they're struggling deeply. Do you know that that's a Kairos moment God has given you? A moment to, if nothing else, simply say, can I pray for you? That's a Kairos moment. That's what a Kairos moment looks like. And so our time is made up of Kronos, but also these Kairos moments and... And time is important. It's limited, it's precious, and that's why our use of time is a spiritual decision. It is a spiritual decision. God's given me my life as a steward, and my life is my time. That's the reality. My life is my time. My time is a resource given to me by God, entrusted for me to manage well, and he expects, he expects a return on his investment. That's his expectation. The time he's given us is too important to waste. We want to be good stewards of our time for God's purposes and his glory. So one more thing about Kairos and Kronos, we're going to come back to Ephesians 5. Depending on which culture you live, cultures around the world have different emphasis in their culture. If you go to a non-Western culture, so if on, this, on this grid, Kairos high, low, you can see Kronos high, low. In most non-Western cultures, they live on Kairos time. In Western culture, including America, we live on Kronos time. We live in a Kronos culture. Our whole emphasis here is getting things done and efficiency. And trust me, I'm a get things done and efficient kind of guy. Um, we are told that time is money, that time's the new currency. And a lot of people have written that in our culture, we are so controlled by the clock. In fact, there's a saying in Kenya, when Westerners started going there among one of the native tribes, they had a saying that Westerners are people who wear their God on their wrists. 
because they gave it so much of their attention that they assumed that that was the God that they worshipped. Isn't that interesting? Uh, most of us carry our time on our wrists, at least the older generation. <laughs> we still do that. But we display time on our vehicles front and center, on our phones, in our offices, beside our beds. Again, the, the, the older generation beside our beds. Um, but we as Americans live very much with a Kronos mindset. And that's why I love Ephesians 5, and I want to call us back to it on right practice, because this has a lot to say about that. So again, Paul says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. The context of this in Ephesians 5, if I were to show you the paragraph, it's in the paragraph is about living or walking as children of light. That's the big idea. And he's telling us ways to walk as children of light. And when he gets to verse 15, he then says, be very careful how you live. Not just careful, be very careful how you live. Be careful how you live. And then he tells us that, and the reason is because the days are evil. Sometimes we can think we're the only one living in evil days, but the reality is, is Paul was living in evil days and we all live in evil days. But be careful in how you live. And he tells us the two ways that we do it. I steward my life, I steward my time by living wisely and by living well. Living wisely and well. The wisely comes from the end of verse 15 where he says, don't live as unwise but as wise. And I live well by making the most of every opportunity. That's how I flesh out this, living wisely and living well. Now the King James, I showed you that because the King James says, redeem the time. NIV says, make the most of every opportunity. Um, th what's really cool is, is this is talking about kairos time. And I think it's very significant that in one of the few places where the Bible tells us about time and how to use time, that it uses the word kairos. I think that's really significant. So there it is, that make most of every, that opportunity is kairos, King James redeemed. It's a money word. It's to purchase. It's to rescue from loss by paying for something. It's to buy up. It's to buy up. I think the fact that Paul uses a money word is really important because what it implies is the preciousness of time, right? Because we buy up what's precious to us. I mean, we saw that, what, nine months ago when COVID first hit? Everybody's buying up toilet paper, Right? Who would ever figure toilet paper? But in life, toilet paper is pretty precious, right? It suddenly became a precious commodity. You buy up things that are precious. And so he tells us to buy up our kairos, every opportunity. And we buy it up because it's limited and it is precious. So Paul's saying, purchase, rescue from loss your kairos moments. Buy them up, claim them, take full advantage of them, make the most of your kairos moments. And so here in this text, Paul is calling on us to, to have a kairos mindset, to live a kairos life in a chronos world, because we very much are in a chronos world. Now, I'd say both are important. Both are important, but knowing our cultural bent to chronos, I think we have to work harder to give attention to kairos and kairos moments. So we live... We strive to live with a Kairos mindset, learning to be present in the moment and not just rushing ahead to the next thing, but really being present, watching, observing what's going on around us. As Henry Blackaby says, we live in such a way that we're watching to see where God might be at work because when he shows it, when that Kairos moment happens, that's his invitation for, him, for us to join him in that work. And so that's, we live with that Kairos mindset. 
And not only looking for them, but a Kairos mindset is we have the courage to seize those moments, to seize them as an opportunity to live for God's purposes and for his glory. So when the neighbor shares a difficulty and there's that fear of like, if I say, can I pray for you, that sounds really weird, that fear is, is making you lose a Kairos moment and you don't know where that prayer could lead to in the future, future conversations. So we need not only to recognize them, but we need to move into them. In fact, Colossians 4, it's actually verses 2 to 7, talking about evangelism, says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most, redeem every kairos moment in relation to lost people. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So he applies this mindset to evangelism. And if you're like me, it's easy to become like a plow horse, that you get so focused on the task for the day and the, the line you're going to plow with the, the blinders on that we can get so focused plotting and doing the things we're doing in our chronos with our heads down that we miss the kairos moments that happen around us that God brings into our life. So sure, we plow and we work, but I think we also live like a hawk. I mean, if you live in Kansas, you love hawks, right? You love watching the hawks soar out in the Flint Hills. We want to live like a hawk to where we're, we're living also at a higher level and we're also looking at our life in a sense the big picture of is there something happening around me where God's inviting me into it? And as it says on the notes page, I do all this while still stewarding my chronos time well. It's not one or the other. So let me take you back to the quadrant. In my opinion, the place where we are stewarding our time well is where I'm living with Kairos high in my mind and Kronos is high. So I have a, high, a Kairos months mindset, but I'm still stewarding my Kronos time well. And when we live there at the intersection of those two things, when we live there, that's when we are, it's what stewardship's about. That's where I'm loving God with all of my heart, my soul, my strength, my mind, living for his purposes and glory, and that's where I'm loving others, my neighbor. It's where I'm using my time to serve the body where he's put me in because we're all called to serve his body with our time. And I use my time to serve those outside of the body. That's where we want to be, is at that intersection. So I want to ask, I'm curious, and again, I ask these questions of myself quite a lot. I want to know, where would you place yourself right now in the quad this quadrant? Would you put yourself in that upper right-hand quadrant where you say, Man, I'm living, I'm, I'm stewarding my chronos well, and I'm also living very much with a, a kairos mindset? Or would you be in that left upper hand where I'm looking for God moments, but I'm not too good with my real chronological time? Or would you be in the lower right where you're like, man, I'm great at managing my time well, stewarding it for God, but I probably miss a lot of the God moments around me? Or would you put yourself in the lower left where you're like, I'm not good at anything with my time. I'm just curious, where, where would you put yourself? I was going to give you um, some words related to Kronos time, some things that have been helpful for me, but um, I don't have the time, and I'm trying to learn how to be good with my own Kronos time on Sundays, so hang in there with me. Um, for those of you that need the words and need to write them down quickly, here they are. 
These are some really important things that help me think about how to use my chronos well, purpose, priorities, inventory, simplicity, today, seasons, rest, grace. I just want to say something about one of those, about priorities. And it's this, use your time to cultivate your relationship with God. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. For out of it flows everything in your life. Everything in your life. Guard your heart. Spend adequate time with God. Daily in his word. Daily in prayer. That's part of why we're going to do this reading through the New Testament. We want to help that become more of our habit, that daily time in the word. Adequate time with him. And please remember, God is not interested in my leftover time, right? He wants my prime time. Walking with him and giving him my time is the single most important thing I can do with my time because it's out of that relationship that will flow me stewarding my chronos and my kairos well. I think we all know this. I get away from God, and the way I use my time, I start becoming more and more of an owner and less of a manager. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. So I want to end with some questions. We had some questions last week. Let me, let me before I get to that, I mean, the reality is, is no matter the demands on us, we all have the same amount of time, right? We all have 24 hours in a day. We all have seven days in a week. Charles Richard said something I found kind of profound. He says, one man gets only a week's value out of a year, while another man gets a full year's value out of a week. Which would you rather be? The person that when you stand before God, you say, hey, I got a whole week's value out of a year, or you would be the person that's like, I got a whole year's value out of a week. So to me, these questions then are, am I stewarding my time in a way that's pleasing to God? You know, honestly, will I get God's well done, my good and faithful servant? By the way, I steward my time. This is the really hard one. What if somebody followed you for a week and saw everything you did? If they saw how you manage your time, would they conclude that you see yourself as the owner of your time? or the manager of your time. If you work, how are you doing stewarding that time for God and your employer? Not wasting time on the internet, on your phone, social media, but you're stewarding that well. And I think as we sit here this morning, all of us can think of one thing that we already think, I can do that one thing better. I can steward that part of my time better. So I'm just curious, what is that? one thing, if you were to leave here and say, there's one thing I'm going to work on this week in relation to my time. And then one other thing. Rick Warren, I think, says this all the time, and I, I love it. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. So who in your life do you need to give more time to? Who in your life needs more of your time? I want to go back to this quote. William James, I used this last week, but he says, the greatest use of life is to spend it on something that will outlast it. And is it not true that the greatest use of my time is to spend it on something that will outlast it? So, twelfth, I want to read these twelve principles again. I mean, twelve, six. Yeah, they've doubled in the time we've been here. My time is from God and it belongs to God. My time, my life and my time are a good gift from God's good hand. Therefore, I'm a steward of my time. All of it. 
As a steward, I should use my time in a responsible manner, faithfully administering it for his purposes and his glory. I'm accountable to God for the ways in which I steward my time. Finally, it's only right that I gladly return a portion of my time to God and to his work out of gratitude for all that he's done for me. Last week in talking about accountability, that I'm accountable to God for the ways in which I steward my time. I referenced Rick Warren who said he believes when we get to eternity, God's going to ask us two questions. The first question is, what did you do with my son? And there's a, a good likelihood that there's somebody here this morning who has not entered into that relationship with God through Jesus Christ and his death and burial and his resurrection. And you are uncertain as to where you'll spend eternity. You would ask me if we could be alone and honest, the same question my dad is, which is, where will I, where will I be after this? Proverbs 27.1 says, do not boast about tomorrow because we do not know what the day brings. None of us knows how much time is left in our lives. My 18-year-old cousin who died, um, he had no idea when he woke up that day that that was the day that he would meet God. We're all unsure of when our last day is, but Hebrews 9.27 says this, that it is appointed to every man to die, and after that, the judgment. So I don't know when I'm going to go. And who wants to face the judgment of God unprepared, not having done what they had to to be in relationship? So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have not accepted his death, burial, and resurrection on your behalf, that free gift of salvation, I want to recommend that you do it in the words of Paul today. In 2 Corinthians 6.2, God says, at just the right time, at the right kairos time, at that moment, I heard you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time, the kairos moment is, would you say this word with me? It's really important. Is, it is now. It's now. If you don't know Jesus, it is now. Today is the day of salvation. And for those of us here who do believe and are in a relationship with him, the second question he says God will ask, we'll see, is what did you do with what I gave you? And specifically, what did you do with your time? What did you do with your time? Life is like a coin. You can spend it however you want, but you can only spend it once. And we're told of David in Acts 13, 36, that when David had served, when he had served his purpose in his generation, when he had served his purpose, he fell asleep. And Jesus on the cross, I feel like Mike Pence up here with a flag, Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. Both of those men went to their death having stewarded their time for the purpose that God created them for. So when the book of your life closes and that final chapter is written, Will it be written of you that you, when you had served your purpose for God, then you fell asleep? Will you be able to say, it is finished, I've done what God has asked me to do? God's given us our life and our time to manage as a part of us being a steward. And 12th, let us steward our time well. Let us be people who manage our minutes and our moments for God's priorities. I want to finish with a poem written by Lucille Britt. It's called The Dash Between the Dates. Memorial Day was over now. All had left and I was alone. I began to read the names and dates chiseled there on every stone. 
The dates which showed whether it was mom or dad or daughter or baby son. The dates were different, but the amount the same. There were two on every one. It was then I noticed something. It was but a simple line. It was the dash between the dates placed there. It stood for time. All at once it dawned on me how important that little line The dates placed there belong to God, but that line is yours and mine. It's God who gives this precious life and God who takes away, but that line between he gives to us to do with what we may. We know God's written the first date down of each and every one. We know those hands will write again, for the last date has to come. We know he'll write the last date down, and soon we know for some but upon the line between the dates. I hope he'll write, well done. Well done. May we steward that dash that is our life well. Would you stand with me during this series? I want to pray this prayer that we did last week, and we're going to do this each week, this commitment that Thomas McClellan made as a 20-year-old, a covenant to God. So would you join me and let's pray this from the heart, please. O God of heaven, record it in the book of thy remembrances that from henceforth I am thine forever. I renounce all former lords that have had dominion over me and consecrate all that I am and all that I have, the faculties of my mind, the members of my body, my worldly possessions, my time, and my influence over others, all to be used entirely for thy glory and resolutely employed in obedience to thy commands as long as thou continuest me in life. And we pray that as a community in Jesus' name, and we say amen. May that be so. So 12th, always, we have time to steward this week outside of these walls, looking for those kairos moments when who knows God will bring us into contact with somebody that could be a life-changing moment for us or for them. So let us this week steward it well. And so as always, 12th, you are sent.